So we're going to continue in the series, He Cares for You, and I think today will probably be the last one in this series, but um, I wanted to kind of start out today's message by telling you that I may have freaked some people out with my story about whitewater rafting recently. Uh, last week I talked to you guys and told you guys that I, I rode the bull and went whitewater rafting, and I tried to do it with no hands, and I fell out of the boat in the first 15 seconds, and I thought I was going to die, right? So this is one of the ways that I trim back on the number of people that want to go whitewater rafting for us, because we only have a certain number of seats in the van, so this is one way that I can filter out those that really want to go versus those who don't want to go. So anyway, if you want to go on that whitewater rafting trip and you're not afraid of dying, come and join us at Simple Church. We would be happy to have you go on the trip with us. No, it really wasn't that dangerous. The only time I felt bad was, you know, when I was really under the water and couldn't breathe. That was bad. I didn't like that so much. But all in all, it has been very safe anytime we've gone whitewater rafting. There was a trip that we took, and it was down in Columbus, Georgia. I want to tell you about this one. Um, which, by the way, when I was younger, I used to have this, this fear of dying. Like, did anybody struggle with that? I mean, like, well, yeah, so... Uh, as I've gotten older and as I've grew in my faith, I have less of that fear of dying. I really do. It's, it's something that probably because of some of the stuff I went through in my life and seeing my daughter pass away and some of that stuff has changed my perspective quite a bit. And I'm not as afraid of dying as I once were, once was. I understand uh, what's going to happen to me when I die, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. But I did want to tell you about another tra rafting trip that we took. And this one was in Columbus, Georgia. So we're not going to Columbus, Georgia for this one. We're going to the Ocoee, which is up in right outside of Cleveland, Tennessee, and it's called Ducktown, Tennessee. But anyway, so we're going up there. Been there many times. Probably taken about half a dozen trips up there, taking students, college students, uh, young adults, everybody up there. Had a great time. We took a group to Columbus, Georgia one time. And there, it was kind of unique because there's only one rafting outfitter there. Uh, they really just started taking uh, rafting trips down, uh, I guess it's the Chattahoochee, is that right? The Chattahoochee, so, uh, which goes right down through Columbus, Georgia, right between Columbus, Georgia and Phoenix, Alabama, Phoenix City, Alabama. So anyway, they just started doing rafting trips down through there. And so we said, okay, cool. As a matter of fact, they sent me an email saying we're taking some inaugural trips to, to go down the Chattahoochee through Columbus, we want to invite you guys because we know that you're a youth pastor and you like to go whitewater rafting. I was like, okay, cool. So I got a group together, so we're going to be one of the first ones to go down uh, with this new rafting outfitter, this new setup they've got in Columbus, Georgia. Okay, cool. So we go down, and, and they tell us that you get two trips. I was like, wow, this is cool because it's a shorter trip. You get to ride twice, and that's awesome. Yeah. So they said the first time you go down, it's kind of subtle and not a big deal. And then they open the dam on the second time you go down. At about 4 o'clock in the evening, they open up the dam, and all the water, everywhere, from, all the way from the Great Lakes, all the water comes down <laughs> comes down the Chattahoochee right through Columbus, Georgia. And I was like, man, that's going to be awesome, you know? And we took the first trip, and I was like, oh, this is a pretty good trip. This is about like the Ocoees, you know, maybe not quite as big. There's only a couple big rapids at the end, but it's okay. It's a cool trip. Well, about that time, the dam broke, okay? So, literally, they opened up the dam, and, like, we go on this second trip, and I'm looking, all right? And I and we're about to load in to get into the rafts, and I'm looking, and I, I'm like, yo, this ain't good. Like, I know not good when I see not good. This ain't good. And I'm looking, and the water starts coming up, and I see rapids start to form where there weren't any rapids. There's trees laying down. I mean, it's like, it's, it's no good. I'm like, I'm worried about it, okay? But, of course, I'm not going to chicken out, so I say, all right, everybody get in the boats. Let's go. So... 
these are all college kids, so they're over 18, doesn't matter if I bring them back or not. So anyway, so we all get in the boat, and, and I start chit-chatting with, with the guy who's, who's leading our, 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 the guide, that's what they call him. So the guy who's kind of steering everybody with his paddle back there and telling us when to row, which side to row, all this kind of stuff. And I start chit-chatting with him. I'm like, hey, man, so how many, how many trips have you taken down the Okoe? And he's like, oh, I've taken about, I don't know, about 12 trips. I was like, okay, cool. I said, how many have you led? He said, this is the first one. I said, pardon? He said, yeah, this is the first one I've led by myself. All the others, I've been riding with somebody else. They've been training me. So I've got the trainee guide that's rowing my boat. That's really cool. So um, we get to the first rapid. And this rapid is not a big rapid. It's not big at all, as a matter of fact. It, uh, if you know anything about class of rapids, this would be a class zero. So this is almost nothing. And the guy dumps us, like all of us, woof, we're out of the boat. And I mean, that's what they call it. They dump you when they dump you out of the boat. And, and we're all swimming and, like, trying to get back to the boat. And it, the rapids are picking up, and it's tough getting back. Well, we get back in the boat, and I start looking around because, you know, as a leader, one of the things I like to do is I like to count hits to make sure everybody's back in the boat. And I start counting, and I said, hey, dude, we're missing one. And, and, and our rafting guide, who was supposed to be in charge of the trip, supposed to have all the safety gear and everything, you know what he says to me? This is his profound words of wisdom for the fact that we're missing a person that didn't get back in our boat. He goes, oops. Oops, that's all you got for me? Oops. I said, I said, and I, I said this out loud. This was not a Kenny thought that he took internally and didn't say out loud. I actually said this out loud. I said, dude, oops is not going to work. We need all the people back in the boat. Everybody that was in the boat before, we need all of them back in the boat. And I, I'm telling you, all I was scared for about the next 10 minutes because we did not see the other person that was, that was in our boat. We did not see them for about 10 minutes. Um, and, and that was terrifying because I didn't know where they were. And it turns out they had gotten into another boat. Apparently, he wasn't as, as concerned as I was about the fact that we were missing somebody. But she had gotten into another boat. And I was just thankful that, hey, today it looks like I'm going to carry most of the people I brought with me. I'm going to carry most of them back home. That's going to be awesome. And in the rest of the trip, uh, the rest of the trip down the, the Chattahoochee for that particular trip, it was rough and it was bad. And I was... Like, I was scared. There were people in the boat that were scared. They're like, Kenny, I don't know if I'm ever going back on this trip. But I'm like, I, you don't have to worry about that because we are not going back on this, on this rafting trip at all. Because I, I, I know when, when things feel secure and safe and all that kind of stuff, and I've always felt that way with the rafting outfitter that we use at the Okoe. We use the same one every time, and I trust those guys immensely. But, um, but this time, man, it looked like they were a bunch of loose cannons and – if we didn't all come back, it wasn't on them because we had signed our waivers, you know, so they were good. But it, it concerned me that we might not all come back. But I had some people that, you know, they got back in the bus. They took you back to the rafting outfitter on a bus. Some people still had their life jacket on in the bus. They're like, I'm not taking it off. I, 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 may, I may still not be safe. I don't know. I'm leaving my life jacket on. They got their helmet on, you know, and they're just like, no, I, you know, that's how, that's how bad it was. But I want to tell you with all that in mind, um, we do not necessarily, I don't feel risky about this place that we go at the uh, Chattahoochee up in Ducktown with Raft One. They're a great group of guys. It always feels safe to me, so um, please don't worry about it. If you sent your kid, if you signed up for your kid to go on this trip, don't, don't be worried about it. But I got to thinking about this, so, so this is where it ties in biblically. So I got to thinking about this, and the, this, the one that fell out, the one that never got back in our boat, um, not for a while until she climbed from one boat to the other, is. It, one of my kids I love dearly. I mean, she was like a family member. She was very close to us, uh, spent a lot of time with us and all this kind of stuff. And I got to thinking, man, 
if I had not bringing her home, how, how, how I would have felt, how crushed I would have been, and how devastated I would have been if she had passed away on that trip, you know? And then I got to thinking about this. Um, why do we not feel that way about people that are close to us that we know don't have an eternity secure with God? That, that, I mean, I'm talking about people that we know and we love dearly and we're close to them and, and, and they're part of our family and they, we spend a lot of time with them and we love them so much. But and shouldn't we be that devastated and that crushed if we think for a second that they're not going to spend eternity with us in the presence of an almighty God? That they're going to spend eternity separated from God in hell? I mean, like, that should devastate us. The same way I would be devastated if I had not brought one of those kids back home with me. I should have that same nervous intensity in my gut the same way if, if I know somebody and I love somebody and I care about somebody and they're separated from God and I know about it and I can see evidence of it and I, I know they don't know Christ. I should have that same turmoil inside of me because it's one thing to physically die. It's another thing to eternally die. And the bad thing about it is, is if you don't come to Christ, you're already dead. You're already dead. It's only when you come to know Christ and you come to know Him truly and faithfully in your heart and in your soul, that's when you become alive. You're already dead. You're already separated from God because of your sin. It is only through Jesus Christ, the fact that He is the way, the truth, and the life, that, that you can go to the Father. That's the only way. So when we're thinking about, about does God care for us, because we, we sometimes get that distant feeling from God, like i got all this stuff going on in my life and and does God even care? Does God even know? Does God even hear my prayers? Does God even want to help me? That sort of thing. I think that we, we have to wrap up this series by looking at the cross of Christ. And we have to look at the love and the compassion that Jesus had for his disciples and, and the people around him. And the fact that he gave his life for them. So that they would be eternally alive. So that they would have eternity secure. That, that he was going to prepare a place for them. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. Because... When you think about this, God care for me, it is obvious that he cares for us. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 14, it starts out this way in verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I don't know about you, but in my mind, there's a lot of times when I feel like my heart is troubled. When I feel like there is crap going on in my life, and I do not like it, and it is rough, and it is just difficult to deal with. And if I had to describe how I felt, I would say my heart is troubled. My heart is stirred. My heart is broken, if you will. There are many times when I'm going through stuff in my life where I feel like my heart is troubled. And Jesus says, the first thing he says in John chapter 14 is, don't let your hearts be troubled. When I think about, does God care for me? Does God really care about what's going on in my life? Does God really know what, what the difficulties are in my life that I'm struggling with every day? We need to think back to John chapter 14 verse 1. Can you imagine if that was a meditation of your mind and of your heart? Jesus says this in John chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I'm going to say it again. That way, you know, what they do in commercials, they say the same thing over and over again so it will sink in. Do not let your hearts be troubled. It's written in red because Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me also. There is more than enough room in my father's house. What's he talking about his father's house? 
in his father's presence. There's no closer you can be to God than to be in his house. Am I right? You want to be close to God? You want to feel close to God? You go live in his house. Am I right? And it says his house is big enough for all of us. It's not just that he... It's just a place for us, and we're going to be in close proximity to God. It's not that just we're going to be next-door neighbors to God. He said, you come and live in my house. I cannot think of a better way for my heart to not be troubled than to go and live in God's house. He says, there is more than enough room in my Father's home. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. He said, I'm going to make your bed. I'm going to set up your room. I'm going to go ahead of you. See, what Jesus is trying to tell them here is he's going to die. And he's talking about when they die, where they're going to go, what, what house are they going to reside in. So I'm going to unlock your room. Now, many students, when they go off to college, it's a very nerve-wracking experience for them. They're going into a new place, separated from all the securities of home, the places that... that, that that they're used to, you know, the, the comforts of their bed, all that kind of stuff. They're going away from that, and they're going into a brand new place. I mean, it's a place that somebody else may have been there before, and they may have slept on that bed and all that kind of stuff. This is not like this. This is a brand new place inside your father's home just for you. A bed tailor-made for you, walls decorated and, 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 and beautifully adorned just for you. Now, I'm not saying that so that you'll say, man, I... I need, I need streets of gold and I need gates of pearl in order for me to go and be with God. No, what I'm saying for, to you is this. is that God has prepared a special place for you with you in mind. With who you are and all your struggles and all the heartache that you go through. And every single time that your heart is troubled, he, he's, he's making a place for you. How comforting should that be? That God has created a home and in that home, he's going and preparing a place for you. He says, if it weren't so, I would have told you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. So that you will always be. So that you will always be with me where I am. I don't know about you. But for me... I want to be where Jesus is. And my heart is troubled, and the struggle of life is real, and, and things feel like they're crushing me from all sides, and it feels like everybody hates me, and nothing I can do is right. I just want to be where Jesus is. I just want to be in his presence. I just want to be next to him. And he says, look, I'm making a place for you in my father's home. Inside his house. And you're always going to be with me. You're going to go wherever I go. And wherever I go, you're going to go. And I'll always be there. So don't let your heart be troubled. I know that you're afraid. I know that you're scared. I know that you have heartache. I know that you have bad things going on. So don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when, when you get there, he says, you're going to be wherever I am. And this is what he says. And you know the way to where I'm going. He doesn't say you know where I'm going. He just told him about where he was going. He said, you know the way. 
you know the way to where I'm going. So naturally, somebody's going to ask, well, what's the way? What's the way, Jesus? I want to go to where you are. This place that you're going to prepare for me inside your father's home. I want, I want to know how to get there. I want to know what path I need to take. I want to know what direction I need to be faced and what, what direction should I walk in order to be able to get to this place so that my heart will no longer be troubled. God, show me. Show me where I am supposed to go so that I can go to this place that you're preparing for me. So I can go to a place where my heart is no longer troubled. I want to go to that place. Jesus, I'm ready for you to come get me, to take me to that place. Show me the way. I want to know where to go. And Thomas, you know, Thomas, he's a practical guy. He goes, how, how do we know where you're going? We, we don't, he didn't say where he was going. He said, you know the way. He said, show, show, show us where you're going. How can we know the way if we don't even know where you're going? See, the whole thing about your heart being troubled and the struggles that you have in your life is understanding that you can't see it right now. That you can't see the place where you're going. You can't see the home. You can't see the room. You can't see the streets of gold. You can't see the gates of pearl. You can't see any of that right now. And Jesus says, look, the way you get there is you've got to trust the way. You don't put your trust in the place. You put your trust in the way. You see what I'm saying? Like when you get inside of an Uber, you know? Which I know Uber gets a bad rap sometimes because bad things happen to people in Uber. Be careful if you take an Uber. I'm not touting Uber. I'm not touting Lyft. Be careful. That's all I'm saying. When you get in an Uber, you know where you're going, right? And the only reason you can trust the driver of that car is because you can look on your phone and you can see that he's going the right way. Because you already know the destination. That, that you, you can, the only reason you can trust that driver is because he's going towards your destination. If he takes a wrong turn and starts heading out towards the desert, jump out. You know what I mean? Like, it's not good. The only reason you can trust him is because you know the destination. Jesus says this. He says, you can't see the destination. It's a place, and trust me that I'm preparing it for you, but you've got to trust the way. You've got to trust the driver. Am I right? And, and Thomas starts asking these practical questions, and it's not going to be on the screen, but I just want you to listen to this. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So what is Jesus saying here? He says, you trust me that I'm the way. You trust me that what I have spoken to you has been truth. You trust me with your life and everything that you have in your life. You put your life in my hands, just like you do when you get in that car. You put your, your life in my hands, and you trust the way. You trust what I'm telling you is the truth. You put your faith wholeheartedly in me. You know what the secret to not letting your hearts be troubled Yes, it's nice to think about streets of golden gates of pearl. Yes, it's nice to think about a house that's been prepared for you. But the only thing that will keep your heart from being troubled is if you put your trust in the way. The truth, the way, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had already known me, you would have known who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. 
You see, they had never seen God, right? Just like none of us have ever seen God. And they had always, you know, the Israelites had put their faith and their trust in God. And they would always put, put all of what they had into serving God and being somebody that, that, that wanted to honor God. And can you imagine, like, not, God's never been to the earth. You know what I mean? Like, like all they know is like, it's like that he's there. And here he has become a man and he's walking around amongst them. He says, now you have seen God. I'm sitting right in front of you. Can you imagine how profound that must have been for the disciples to hear? Now you have seen God. You know the truth. Now you have seen God because you have seen me. Can you imagine? They're, they're looking at him. They're sitting around. And, and maybe some of them are looking off. And maybe some of them are looking down at the ground like we do during sermons. Or looking up at the sky or whatever, you know. And, and Jesus said, now you've seen God. Can you imagine lifting your head up and looking at the ground? And you look into his eyes. And he says, I'm God. Now you've seen me. You want to talk about your heart no longer being troubled. And you look into the eyes of God, and He tells you, Don't worry, I've got a place for you. I think everything else kind of fades into the background. And you go, You know what? I do have a messed up life, and it does hurt some days. But that's God. He told me to not let my heart be troubled because I have seen God and He said He's going to prepare a place for me. Some people in here have never seen God in that way. And when I say seen God, now I'm not talking about literally put your eyes on Him, but you know, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when you truly do that, and some of you have been in this place before, where you have wholeheartedly surrendered everything to Jesus Christ, it is like you're looking eye to eye with Him. Am I right? It is like God is sitting right in front of you and He says, come to me. Come to me. I love you. Don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And it's like that moment when you lock eyes with God and you put your faith and trust in the way. It's like all of a sudden, man, that struggle in your heart, that trouble that is in your heart, it's just like it's lifted. I know for me, when I put my faith in Jesus... I cannot describe it for you. I, I can't make you see what I saw. I can't make you feel what I felt. But it was like I was looking to, into the eyes of God. And he took everything that was on my shoulders. It literally felt like it, all the weight had been lifted off my shoulders. And, and, and I, I may have prayed before. And I may have, have talked to God before. But that moment I put my trust in the way. And as soon as I did that, it was like I could stand up straighter almost. It was like tears were flowing down my eyes and, and like I couldn't even control that. I just wanted to cry and weep because I, I knew what I was and I knew that there was nothing good in me. And Jesus just said, I'm the way. Just come to me. And it was like all of that heartache and all of that sadness and all of that like depression and that weight and that crushing feeling of the world. And all of my sin that I've been carried around, carrying around for so long, it's just like God just like lifted it off my shoulders. And I literally felt like it was, I was lighter. 
because I was being crushed by my own sin, the things that I had done. And, and Jesus took all of that on my shoulders and put it on his shoulders and nailed it to the cross. And I trusted in that. And I trusted in the way. There are Christians in here that, that, that know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. You experienced that same thing. And you finally took you, fixed your eyes on God and you trusted in the way. It was like, man, this huge burden was lifted and instant. And you can't describe it. All you can do is tell people about it, but you can't accurately describe what it's like. You just know what you felt and you know who you were in an instant. We got some people in here that don't know that. They've never fully trusted in the way and they're walking around with all that crap on their shoulders and it's weighing them down and it's crushing them and it's difficult. And their hearts are troubled. Their hearts are, are crushed, as a matter of fact. And they're carrying it around on their own. And Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. He said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you so. But God doesn't stop there. That should be enough, right? That should be enough for us to go... I want to stand in, in my chair and scream at the top of my lungs that Jesus is Lord and I want to tell everybody and I want to just tell everybody about how good God is and how He rescued me and how He loves me and I just it makes me want to scream at the top of my lungs. But God doesn't stop there. That's what blows my mind. He could have just stopped there and said, I died for you, I am the way. Come to me and your heart won't be troubled. But He doesn't stop. He says, he already said there is more than enough room in his father's house for you. God always works in abundance. He always has a surplus. Doesn't matter if he's feeding 5,000 people or not, there's always extra left over. Well, the extra left over in the gospel presentation is this. And this, this is the part that blows me away. In John chapter 16, it says this. Beginning of verse 5. But now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not, the, not one of you is asking where I am, I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I have told you, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. It says you're going to be sad about the fact that I'm going away. You're going to miss me. I get it. He says, but I want you to know it's better that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. The advocate. I don't know what it says in, in your Bible. Some, some people, it says comforter, encourager, counselor. Jesus says this. Not only am I going away to prepare a place for you, and your hearts don't need to be troubled because I am the way, but he says, if I go away, when I go away, I'm going to send you a comforter, a counselor, an encourager, an advocate. The Holy Spirit. He says, when I go away, I'm going to send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of his sin, and God's righteousness, and of coming judgment. Jesus says this. I know that I provided you comfort as I walked around amongst you. I know that I provided you a sense of security because I was here and you could see 
how I was able to overcome a lot of things, death and illness and, and, and demon possession. You were able to see me overcome those things. He says, but the one I'm going to send to you, the one that will come when I leave, he says, he's going to be much better than me. This is the abundance in which God works. God works in abundance. The fact that he prepared a place for you, he died for you, and then he sends somebody to comfort you until you get there. To walk with you every single day. When you say, does God really care for me? You need to answer that question with, he cares for me, not just a little bit, but he cares for me in abundance, above and beyond what I deserve. He proved that on the cross, and the fact that I deserve to be up on the cross, but then he, he, he died himself for me to give me away, and then beyond that, he cares for me extra because he sent a comforter for me, to show me, to guide me, to counsel me, to comfort me. I was talking uh, with some friends of mine this week, and we were talking about, as Christians, um, sometimes we, we don't think about the comforter as much. Um, I was talking specifically about the time when my daughter was passing away. It took 15 months for her to pass away from the time she was diagnosed. And when she was initially diagnosed, she was very, very scared. So were all of us, obviously. Very scared. Her brain was swelling and she was in the ICU. The doctors had just brought us up from the, from the ER and told us um, that she had a, a tumor the size of a, an orange inside of her brain. And they were going to have to remove it tomorrow. She was in a lot of pain. And they were giving her pain medicine, and she was still in a lot of pain. She was in the ICU. And uh, rightfully so, she said that she was scared. She was Daddy, I'm scared. She looked at my, nothing's harder than your, being a dad, and looking at your kid in the face when they've got something inside of their brain that could kill them, and they look at you and say, Daddy, I'm scared. And as a dad, you dads know what I'm talking about. You want to fix it, right? Like you'll do, I, like I'll do it. Like if I could walk to the moon right now to fix it, I'll walk to the moon. You would do anything to fix it. And here I was in a situation where I couldn't fix this. I couldn't fix this. There's nothing I could do to fix it. The only thing I could do was to go to the comforter. And I was so thankful at that point in time that I had it. I was so thankful that I had this advocate, this counselor, this comforter that was there for me because I knew about eternity and I knew that Kenneth knew about eternity and she had put her faith and trust in the way and I knew that. But at that moment in time, I needed a comforter. I needed a supernatural power that existed to be able to give me peace in my heart that would surpass understanding because right then, I had so much struggle in my heart, I was about to explode. And God loved me in abundance. And he gave me a comforter. And it's not my own words, but this is the words of God that he put on my heart. This advocate, this counselor, this instructor that tells me the way to go. I looked at her in the eyes, and I said, that's not true. Her eyes were swollen shut. 
she kept her eyes shut most of the time because the light hurt her eyes because she had this tumor. I looked at her in the eyes. She did not look at me in the eyes because she had her eyes closed. And I said, Kenneth, and I was holding her hand, and I said, Kenneth, I know you're afraid. Where do we go when we're afraid? She said, to God. To God. See, we struggle with this idea of the Trinity, that God would exist in three persons, a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit. Our minds can't wrap, can't wrap it around the fact that He exists as three in one. It's just incomprehensible. No matter how you explain it, He exists as three in one. At that moment, I understood. I can't explain it to you, but I understood. Because I understood the Father and His love, and I understood the Son, and I, I understand the fact that, that he died for me and he died for Kenneth and the reason she had eternity was because he had died for her. And then I understood the Holy Spirit, that comforter. So I know your heart's troubled. But I'm here. I'm here. See, when Jesus said, when you get to my Father's house, you're going to go wherever I am. And I'm going to go wherever you are. But then he says later in chapter 16, he says that I'm going to give you a Holy Spirit, a comforter, an advocate that's going to go everywhere with you to comfort you till that day when you go and be in the Father's house. The comforter gave me the words to say. The comforter is the one that was speaking to my daughter's heart at the same time. The Holy Spirit of God was speaking to her heart and she knew where to go. And I said, Kenneth, do you want Daddy to pray for you? She said, no, Dad. I've got this. You know why she had it? You know why? It's because she had the Holy Spirit of God residing in her life. She had a comforter. And she knew where to pray. She knew who to go to. And he was the only one. He was the only I couldn't do it. He was the only one that could tell her, Kenneth, don't let your heart be troubled. Just trust in me. Trust in the way. Today, there's some people who don't know it. I don't know how you're doing it without knowing it. I don't know how you're getting through life. I don't know how you're waking up every day. I don't know how you do it. I, I, I Honestly, I don't know how you do it because if, if I don't have... Jesus, then I've got, I don't know what I put my trust in. I don't know what I, 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 I don't know what I would do. I think I would just struggle every single day going, man, I don't know what to do next. I think that I, I would like just crumble. Because what if something bad happens? What if somebody you love close to you dies? What, what, if, what if you're walking along and you see somebody that you love and they die in an instant? Like, where do you put your hope? Where do you put your faith? people in here, man, you're walking around without Jesus, and I don't know how you do it. I wish you would. You're walking around with all this garbage on your shoulders. You're walking around carrying all this stuff, and, and you're like, I don't even know what to do. I just feel like I'm being crushed. I feel like that, that every single place I turn, I'm doing something wrong, and you don't, you don't know what to do next. And then when bad things happen in life, when a person that you love, when they do pass away, when the sickness comes, and there's nothing you can do to take it away. It gets really bad and it gets really ugly. And it looks 
I turn? Where do I go? What do I do? Does God even care about me? If he cared about me, he'd never let this happen. No, 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 no. He does care about you. And he's not just worried about you physically and the pain and the heartache that you go through every single day, but he cares about you so much that he gave his only son for you. He laid down his life. He came to earth as a man so he could walk around in our flesh and blood. And he gave up that life so that you could have eternal life so he could go and prepare a place for you. But he doesn't just stop right there. He cares for you so much that he gives you a comforter. When you put your faith and trust in the way, he gives you a comforter, an advocate, a counselor, the one that walks with you everywhere that you go so that you can feel his presence, so that you can know his supernatural strength. Thank you. 